I've never felt helpless, as helpless in my life as I had been when I was a kid being bullied in preschool by this kid. Hey, welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful cash-based physical therapy business. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer. Thanks for spending time with me today. And before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then just text CASHPT to 444-999. That's C-A-S-H-P-T to the number 444-999. And you'll get this essential checklist. Now on to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour. This is Aaron LeBauer, your host. And today I have a special guest. His name is Jason Maxwell or J-Max Fitness. If you follow um, fitness people on Instagram, you've definitely seen him. and I had to bring Jason on the show because I had a chance to see him speak live at um, with the High Status Summit a few months ago. I was out in California working with my coach, Bedros, and I spent a day at Jason Capital's High Status Summit, and Jason came on and his talk, and a couple of things that really impressed me were not the way only way he carried himself on stage, but he came out and he said, you don't need to take notes. I'm going to provide them for you for free. All you got to do is go follow me on Instagram, and you'll download it later. And it was like so easy and I was impressed with the follow-up and everything. So I was like, I got to get Jason on the show. So Jason, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Dude, I'm glad we finally lined up a time that worked and uh, we got the ball rolling on this. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, Jason, I've learned, and you may not know this, I've learned a lot about how to market physical therapy from fitness professionals. I mean, it's like I had to go outside of our PT industry um, and learn from the fitness industry was, is where I, I learned it from. So a little bit of what I want you to know first is how'd you get into fitness? So tell us your story. How'd you get into being like a, a trainer and fitness? And like, what was the original problem that you encountered that you like, I got to do this? Yeah. So it all started from when I was like three years old and I, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection and I, I realized everything stemmed from this moment when I was like, I was like two or three. I think I was three. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this, I was in daycare and that's like our preschool in, in Canada. And there was this kid that would always pick on me. Like he was my bully and he was twice my age, like six, seven years old. So I was three, he was six or seven. So you can imagine how much bigger this guy was for me. Like yeah. I was, I've never felt helpless as helpless in my life as I had been when I was a kid being bullied in preschool by this kid. And the thing is, I was so, I, I wanted to hang out with him and be friends with him. And he just kept luring me in. He'd be like, okay, uh, c- come hang out with us. And then he would just bully me. So check this out. This is, this is the biggest moment. I think this is the moment that started everything for me. So we were playing outside and there was this corner and around the corner, there's like this grassy area where the, uh, the teachers or the, or the preschool heads or whatever the supervisors they couldn't see us playing over there and um my bully was playing there with a couple of the other older kids that i and i always just wanted to hang out with the older kids i don't know why and my bully was was there and he's like hey jason come over here come play with us and they're sitting in a circle 
I was like, okay, here's my chance. He's finally going to stop bullying me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I sit down beside them and I'm like, great. I can start playing with these kids now. And then my bully, I don't even remember his name, which is crazy. But my bully, he took my head and just started rubbing it in the grass. And I can still feel like the grass on on my nose. I could still like smell the dirt and I could still feel that feeling of being absolutely helpless. And I don't know why it was just such a traumatic event for me that I started finding finding myself in food and mm-hmm. I started eating and I, and I just developed this insatiable appetite because whenever I was eating, I was in full control of feeling good. Food made me feel good. Right. And I got that dopamine hit and it was, it was like, this was my escape of, of being bullied, of, of having like this, this traumatic event. Right. So I started to, I became like a fat kid essentially. And I was like, overweight for my size until I was about five grade five or grade six. Mm -hmm. And then I hit puberty like really early. And then, uh, I lost the weight, but then I was skinny fat. Um, but deep down inside, I always had this struggle with food because of this screwed up thing that happened when I was three years old. Yeah. So I, I, I remember like going through puberty, like I, I didn't have great results with, with women. I didn't know how to talk to women. And I think that stemmed from just like not being able to trust people anymore from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I would watch reality TV shows. Like think these things were big when I was younger, like survivor and, um, big brother. And I even watched the bachelor too. Cause I was like, how, how is this guy getting like a room full of 40 girls? Right. Like I didn't understand how any of this worked. Right. So I, I noticed on every single one of these TV shows, that every single guy was jacked. And I remember looking at them and I was like, these jacked guys seem to be getting the girls. So I got to get jacked. But in the back of my head, I was so ignorant to it that I thought, okay, this is just their genetics. So my genetics, I am destined to be skinny fat and I have no control over how I look. Mm -hmm. And I thought these guys were just born with it. I didn't know you had to work for it. And then I started reading, you know, books on fitness when I was in high school. And I, ca- I came across this, this one book by Robert Dos Remedios. And it, the way he framed everything just seemed so simple. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in on this. And this was at the very end of high school because I wanted, I wanted to get stronger for football. So that's kind of how I found him. But anyway, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm going to go all in on this. And during school, like, I started the workouts and just like dabbing my feet into it, but I was still changing things. I wasn't following the program to a T and I wasn't cooking my own food. My dad was, was cooking our food. So it was like, whatever he said we had to eat uh, or like whatever he was making for dinner or whatever, like that's what I would eat. So I, I feel like I didn't have control over that, but then I went away to university and I actually went away to university for aerospace engineering. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to school and I said, okay, I have 100% control over what I put in my mouth. I have 100% control over when I go to the gym. So I'm going to follow this program to a T. I'm going to ace my nutrition to a T. And I'm just going to go all in. And if nothing works, well, it's my stupid genetics. But if something works, oh, great. Okay, we uh, we changed our body. So I went away to school in September. 
And then I came home for, I think it was Thanksgiving or, or something like that. So it was about three months later, I came home. I remember I walk up to my house, I open the door, I walk in and I see my brother and he looks at me and then his jaw drops. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you staring at? He just like kept looking at me. I remember his eyes moving up and down, like looking at my neck, looking at my, my body, looking me back in the face. It's just like, yo, what, what's up with your neck? I'm like, what do you mean? Cause he's like, he's just like, holy shit. Like your neck is huge. And then I went and I looked at myself in the mirror and this is the mirror that in the bathroom that I saw myself in every single day mm-hmm. through high school. And then there was a gap where I didn't look at myself in that one mirror for three months. And then I see myself in that mirror three months later. And then I finally saw the change. It's almost as if seeing a before and after picture beside each other. Right. So I saw that change. I saw how different I looked. And that's when I was like, holy crap, this stuff works. And I got hooked to, to it because that feeling that I felt, no one can ever feel that feeling unless they've done the same thing, unless they've changed their body. So I wanted to give that gift to people. I was addicted. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is unbelievable. I actually have control over my life. I have control over my body. I have control over how I look. And that just, that was a huge win for me. And then I became addicted to that. So I was studying for aerospace engineering. Like I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And I was top three in my class when I graduated. And I remember... I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not passionate about this. The one thing I'm truly passionate about is fitness. Yeah. So I graduated on the day of my graduation, I had three professors come up to me and each one asked me if I would study under them as their master's student. And I told every single one, no. And they said, oh, why are you, did you get a job at Bombardier or, or somewhere around here? And I was like, no, I didn't get a job. Like, so are you going with a different professor? I'm like, no. So, so Jason, what are you going to do? I'm going to be a personal trainer. Nice. And you can imagine their faces. They didn't understand. Even when I told my mom, she didn't understand. She was like, why would you throw away this amazing career? Like you could do so well with it. You could be making over six figures per year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm writing for my blog and it's just a hobby right now. I'm not making very much money at all, but I did make like, a couple dollars here and there selling some eBooks. Yeah. So I, I, I could see the potential. I could see what was really possible. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to be a personal trainer, uh, work downtown Toronto, make some money that way, and then try to build my online fitness business. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's powerful. Yeah. I had a, I had a much fair share of bullies too. It's like, it's funny. It's like, sometimes you just have like your bully and then they leave your life and they, a new bully comes back in. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like the type of person that gets bullied is just a type of person that attracts bullies. And I, I didn't understand that until like maybe a couple of years ago with a lot of self-reflection. And I realized like I, I was attracting these bullies into my world because I was, I was like so soft and shy. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I identified as an introvert because I was shy. And it was because I couldn't trust people because of how much I was bullied when I was younger. And I thought, okay, I must be an introvert because I, I hate talking to people. 
And what I, I this is something I realized like over the past few months. This is something yeah. like very, very recent because I did a person. No, actually, I realized this two weeks ago. I did the Myers-Briggs personality test. Mm -hmm. It said I was like a clear introvert. And I remember thinking, I was like, that's got to be wrong. But then I went back through the test and like all the answers led to being an introvert. And I was like, you know what? I guess I am an introvert, but I just never wanted to be around people before because I didn't have that self-esteem before because I was bullied when I was younger. So it's crazy how all of this can stem from one little thing that happened when I was three years old. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, I did a, you know, I've learned a lot about myself the last few years. And I realized like introvert doesn't always mean that you don't like to be around people. It's more of like, for me, it's about, uh, I need my own downtime. I need my own personal self, time to self-reflect or just clear my brain, you know, and that kind of thing is, it, it, do you have the similar experiences? You're just a little different. Um, so he, here's what I, what I realized. I used to think, also that I was an introvert because I did like spending time alone and I was in a relationship for eight years and I always put her, her needs ahead of my own needs. Mm -hmm. So that confirmed to me that I was an introvert because I was like, okay, like whenever she left to like go on a trip or something, or she was gone and I had the place to myself, I'd be like, oh yeah, party. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to order like some food in order some sushi and I would always have a blast and I was like I just love spending time by myself then after we broke up I I realized I enjoyed that time by myself because I I was never putting my needs first Mm -hmm. so I started putting my needs first and I realized you know what like I'm okay being comfortable like being by myself um, but I do like being around people and I do get energy going around people and like if there's I work from home so it can be very lonely and you know, if there's a day where I don't do a lot of calls, don't do like podcasts, don't, don't do coaching calls at the end of the day, I'm like, I feel like something's missing. Like I got to get out of the house or, or do something. But if I have a day where I like do interactions with people, do calls online. And then at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, you know what? That was a great freaking day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do like having my own time by myself. Cause I, I do genuine, genuinely like spending time by myself, but I do like spending time with people as well. And it's, I think it's important to realize, you know, when you need to be alone and when you need to be with people. Right. Right. Um, do you feel like social media these days is, you know, plays into that? Like it, it helps you or it hinders you in certain ways based on, you know, I mean, it's like, it's easier to be on Instagram and Facebook, a different person than you are because you're not in front of people. And sometimes it can pull you away from who you really are and authentically like how you speak. So I don't think that that happens to me. Mm-hmm. And here's why I, I do stories every single day and I just show off. It's basically just highlights of my life every yeah. single day. Um, so I, I'm just showing my real authentic self. So I don't feel like I'm acting as a different person on screen. Um, like, let's say we're doing a podcast interview or I'm, or I'm going like on stage or something mm-hmm. and I'm speaking, obviously I'll turn up the energy there just because there is like an entertainment factor. Um, and my public speaking coach just taught me like, it, you're going to be a lot more interesting when, when you do turn it up a notch. Um, but like when I'm like at home and just chilling, like obviously I, I'm not going to be like high energy guy, like clowning it up and shit. Like 
uh, I know how to chill too, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the one thing I did notice with, with social media that kind of screws with your brain. And I didn't realize this until maybe about a month ago, I was talking to my boy, Michael Grossman. He's at Trillstein on Instagram and he came on my podcast and we talked about social media because he helps people cure their social media addictions. Mm-hmm. And what I'm noticing is people, people are addicted to social media. And Michael, he works for Brandon Carter, one of my friends in the fitness industry, great guy. And Michael is telling me, he was like, every time you go through your feed and you like, just like someone's photo, your brain tells you, okay, I interacted with that person. <laughs> and then you look back and you're like, when was the last time you saw this guy? And you're like, oh, fuck, I think we talked like a few days ago. And then you realize you haven't talked to them in like six months. Mm-hmm. So with social media, you end up being lonelier than you would be just sitting at home alone with no social media. Right. Because when you're sitting at home and you actually start to feel loneliness without social media, what do you do? You reach out to people. You actually call people. You go out with people. And as humans, we need that. Because if you look back at evolution, humans needed other humans. Humans need to be around other humans. And if they weren't around other humans, they probably died off, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so social media is like a double-edged sword because you can make a lot of money on social media, but you can also get addicted to it and have a lot of depression. If right. you look at everyone, like all these different generations of people, the generation who is the most depressed is the one that came after millennials. What's that? Generation X? I don't know the uh, name. Generation X is before millennials. Okay. Uh, the one like after millennials. Y or, or there's a new name for it, but I think it's like Gen Y or Z or something. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It grew so up. That's the, most, that's the most depressed group of people right now in the world. And these people are like between the ages of like 14 and like 23 or something. That's mm-hmm. the most depressed people in the entire world. And you know, we don't know for sure, but there's a, there's the research is heavily favoring social media that's causing this because then the second most depressed generation is millennials, mm-hmm. which just blows my mind. Yeah. Well, I've noticed like people don't communicate the same way or they're less comfortable communicating in person, but they're more comfortable communicating on like text and messages and social media. It's just like, it's, it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 45. So, you know, I came around, you know, I'm in the back into the Gen X and I came around. We didn't have internet until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember we got internet when I was like, well, I remember my grandparents got internet when I was like eight or nine, but we personally didn't even have a computer until I was like maybe 12, yeah. 11 or 12 and um, maybe a bit, a bit earlier. So, I was right in the middle of seeing that change before my eyes, but also experiencing it. Mm -hmm. You were probably looking out from the outside in and you still adapted, but it's like when you're a kid, kids like kids go to whatever is like hot. And it's, I feel like that age group is kind of what dictates it because we stick with it. Right. 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 So, um, you, you didn't have a computer until you're 12 and you still did aerospace engineering. Yeah. Maybe I was, Maybe I was 10 when we got our first computer, nine or 10. Um, But I did aerospace engineering when I was 19. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah. I remember I used to go to like my grandparents' house and I would just like play on the computer and just like play around and I, I would watch like TV shows on TV showing like how to use a computer. Yeah. And then I would go to my grandparents' house and play with the computer. I just loved playing with this weird machine that allowed me to like go on the internet and I remember I used to just go on Amazon and I used to love reading. So I'll go on Amazon and I would look at book covers and then just like download those book covers to, to the computer. I, I did weird stuff, man. Wow. That's, that, that's cool. So, um, aerospace engineering, you became a personal trainer. Of course, everyone was like, were you throwing away, you know, your career, you know, mm-hmm. and this potential. So did you, you had already started a blog in, in university and you were doing a little bit of like sales off of it. So can you tell us about, or did you go, I mean, you didn't go straight to like working at like the Valley Fitness, 24 hour fitness, like big globo gyms, did you? Or like, what was, what was that okay. transition? Like? Okay. So, so here's what I did. So second year, I just started a blog because I wanted to write about things that I was passionate about and things that I was reading, things I was learning. So I started writing this blog and then people just started following me. And I remember around this time I read the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss. And in it, he, he was mentioning like, you know, he started a supplement company. So I was like, okay, I can make money online by starting a supplement company. So I looked into it and just to buy in and get started was like 10 to $15,000. And I was a broke ass university student. So there's no way I could do that. So I was like, well, screw that. So I just started, kept writing for my blog just because I love doing it. Like I was doing it for free because I loved it. Right. And then. I remember I was reading an article on Tim Ferriss's blog, Four Hour Work Week, and he had an article with this guy named Mike Geary. And this guy, Mike Geary, whoever this guy was, had he was an engineer and he figured out how to make money online selling a fitness ebook. And then it went on to say in the article that Mike Geary was going to make eight figures that year. He was on pace for making $11 million. And I was like, are you kidding me? If this engineer in Colorado can figure out how to make $11 million online, then why can't I figure it out? Yeah. I knew I, knew I, I had the intelligence because I was, I was doing great in school. So I was like, I just need to figure out and learn how to do this. So I launched my first ebook. I was like, this is going to be life-changing. I'm going to make so much money. Hit publish crickets. No one bought it. Not even my own mother bought that ebook. And to be honest, I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe if a sale come in in a day or two, no sale came in until I launched a second program. I don't even know why I launched a second program, but I was like, maybe it was a program. So I'll try a different program. So I launched the second program and launched that no sales. Yeah. And then Okay, I was like, screw this. It was the summertime. So a couple of weeks went by. I remember I was outside. I, I was tanning on my balcony and I was reading a book, probably some kind of marketing book, right? And then it came back in and I checked my ClickBank account. I was like, whatever, I'll just check to see if I got a sale. So I opened it up and I had my first sale. And it was from this guy named Keith Duke. And I'm like, I don't even know who Keith Duke is. I still don't know who Keith Duke is, but he was my first sale. And as soon as I made that sale, I was probably third year university, but as soon as I made that sale, my whole mind shift, 
my whole mindset just shifted. And I remember calling up my girlfriend and I told her, I was like, yo, I just got paid to tan. <laughs> and she's like, what? What are you talking about? You just got paid to tan. I was like, I was outside tanning. I came back inside. I checked my ClickBank account and I had 20 bucks in there. So I got paid 20 bucks to tan. And I remember thinking, I was like, I was tanning for half an hour. So I'm making like 40 bucks an hour online now. I'm like, this is amazing. So that was like a big mindset shift. And then also at that same time, I started training a couple people in my condo gym, just in person. I was charging like 30 Canadian an hour. I just, I just wanted to, to make a couple bucks and, uh, and, and train people because because I just truly loved it. And then after school went over, I uh, I started working at this gym that, well, I guess during that same summer that I made the sale, I was interning at this gym for free, just learning and perfecting my craft. And I still consider that gym the best gym in Toronto. And I actually am now a client of that gym. So I've gone full circle, which is kind yeah. of funny. Um, but I I interned at that gym like around third year. And then after I graduated university, I went back to that gym and I, I got a job there and they're like, okay, so you're going to be making $16 an hour. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I, I started working for this gym and it was a really great learning experience because it did allow me to perfect my craft. But then six months later, I had to start paying back my student loans. And the money I was making at that gym at $16 an hour was not enough money to pay back my loans and to live. So then I got a job. I applied for a job at this other gym. It's the top gym in Toronto. I was like, screw it. I'll just, I'll just try to work at the top gym. Like mm-hmm. I, I have, I kind of have something unique because I do have the online presence. So maybe it could help me get in. And I don't know how I did it, but I got a job at the top paying gym in downtown Toronto financial district, working with high-end lawyers and CEOs and, and the, the best clientele you could ever want to work with. Yeah. So within a matter of a year, I went to the very top in my career and I was like capped. I was like, the only next step is I want to move abroad and I want to build this online fitness business. So that's what I did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what were you, were you making a percentage or more? I mean, were you making a lot more at this other gym or was just a little bit more? So I looked at my, cause I, I started, I kind of fell into doing a bit of sales with them too. Yeah. Um, just like organically, I, I started doing a bit of sales and I think it was like the first or second person I ever pitched on a, on a program, they bought it and I had like this big commission check. So I looked at all my hours and how much I made when I left that gym and I averaged $50. So I went from $16 an hour to $55 an hour. Wow. And as you can imagine, like I grew up in a super small town as like broke. Like I was so poor that at one point we lived in a house. It was a one bedroom house. It was me, my dad, my sister, and my brother. My dad and my brother shared a bedroom. My mm-hmm. sister slept on the couch. Well, she didn't even really sleep on the couch. She kind of slept in the hall. And then I slept in the backyard in a tent. Wow. So for me to be making averaging $55 an hour was, was huge because I grew up poor my entire life. And for the first time in my life, I actually had money. So it was hard to step away from that just to go into the unknown. But I knew I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, if I go move to another country, so I moved to the middle of the Mediterranean. And yeah. I go all in and build my business and, 
you know, the cost of living is a little bit lower where we are moving. So that helps. And I was like, I think I just need to go all in and build my business. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but thank God it worked out. Yeah. So where'd you move to? What country were you in? Malta. Malta. Wow. How'd you choose Malta? Um, to be honest, I wanted, I knew I wanted to go to Europe yeah. and I wanted to go to somewhere where it didn't snow. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around and I was like, the only, there's only like two countries that are like super South in the middle of the Mediterranean. Cause I knew I was like, kind of want to live on an Island. So it was between Cyprus and Malta. And I looked at the pictures and Malta just looked like almost like this golden Italy. Like it looked Italian, but it was all, all the buildings were golden and it was in the middle of the Mediterranean. So I was like, screw it. Let's go there. So my nice. girlfriend, and I just put in our two weeks notice that we told our landlord, we weren't renewing our lease. And then we just went Wow! and it was an amazing experience, an amazing journey. And within a matter of those three years that I lived in Malta, I lived in Ukraine for a bit as well, but I think we visited over 20 countries. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing. So you were making some, were you, when you moved, were you making some significant money online before you moved or was it like, you know, like a couple dollars here or there and I'm just going to go all in on online business and you know, so, so I had a bit of money saved up from working at that gym Mm -hmm. because when you're poor and then you start making money, like when you're super poor and you start making money, you end up still saving your money. Like you're still poor. So I had a bunch of money saved up. So I was like, okay, this, this will be kind of like a good backup. Mm -hmm. But on top of this, I, uh, I was making like maybe two to 3000 a month in my online fitness business. So it wasn't a ton, but it was enough to, to get going. And then over the course of those, maybe within like two to three years, Mm -hmm. I had my online fitness, probably in two years, I had my online fitness business up to six figures a year. Yeah. And then, um, then I started coasting like the last year that I lived in Malta. And when I mean coasting, like I was legit only working four hours a week some weeks less. Like I was like not working at all and I was just coasting and I could slowly start seeing the the income dropping. Yeah. And then that's when I, so around that time, um, my girlfriend and I, we, we moved back to, to Toronto because she was having some health issues and we wanted to get things taken care of in Canada. So we moved back and then I had this opportunity to to hire my first coach, Vince Del Monte, he had his mastermind. I was like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll hire my first coach here because, um, cause I, I notice I'm just coasting and the income's going lower. And if I let this go like super low, well, it's, I know what's going to happen. I'm not gonna be making any money anymore. So I was like, I'll just hire a coach. And then as soon as I hired a coach that gave me that drive and passion again. And, uh, and since then I, I've, I haven't lost it and I'm still just growing, 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 growing. And then in the past about year and a month, year and two months, mm-hmm. uh, this is the biggest growth in my entire life for business. It was wow. really amazing. Wow. That's awesome. So what was it, what were the key things that took you from a couple thousand dollars a month to, you know, six figures or over, you know, 8,300 something dollars a month? Like what were the things that took you from like the beginning of your time abroad when you're making a couple thousand dollars a month to like the 8,000? Like, how did you, what are those like two or three key things that you could um, share with us? Like that made that big difference. So the biggest thing is making sales every day. And it, you know, it makes a lot of sense because 
no sales, no business. Mm -hmm. So I was, I made my number one focus on acquiring customers and acquiring as many customers as possible. And then I started making money from my email list, but I also started getting online coaching clients. So I would acquire the customer and then put them into my online coaching. And the online coaching is very profitable. And then you have these customers on your email list. And then when you promote other people's offers, you'd make commissions there as well. But the one thing is you got to keep growing because you always got to keep chasing, getting more customers. And what I did was I stopped getting customers and that's when I started, you know, coasting. And that's when I started like seeing the income drop. So the key is you always want to have an influx influx of new customers coming in. You can't stop that. And that was literally the biggest thing. Cause once I had customers coming in, I had options cause it's much easier to sell to someone more than once than it is to convince someone to buy for the first time. Right. So as long as you're constantly convincing people to buy for the first time, but then selling to them over and over and over again, well then you're going to, you're going to grow and, and your business is going to grow. So that was literally the biggest thing right there. Mm-hmm. That's wow. That's a, that's awesome. And so you'll bring people in and then, you know, if they buy one thing, you've got an upsell or you've just got another, Hey, you're not into, you know, losing weight. We want to build muscle and you've got other options, that kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. For the most part, it's like they'll buy a product and you know, whether they take the upsells or not, like, so be it, but then they're, they're on my list now and I just take care of them and offer them products that I believe in or try to get them into my coaching program because, you know, that's the premium service. Uh, that's the most profitable service, but it's also the, when people pay, they pay attention. Mm-hmm. So they end up getting the best results with yeah. that program anyway. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and then, so you did that, like up until that point, had you like worked with any coaches or mentors or working with Vince when you got back was the first time that. So I, I had mentors for, a while, but Vince was the first one that I paid. So my very first mentor ever was John Goodman from the personal trainer development center. And I met him like when he just kind of started the personal trainer development center and I was just drawn to him. So whatever he did with the personal trainer development center, I, I would talk to him and I would just implement into my own fitness business. So I was like, okay, John's running ads. Now I'm going to start running ads. John's doing this with his articles. I'm going to start doing this with my articles. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of had him at, as a mentor and that was the, he got me, he doesn't even, I don't even think he knows, but he got me up to like the two to three K a month just by following in his footsteps. And then on top of this, I, I interned with him for like two years. So he would pay me to like post on his Facebook page on his social mm-hmm. media. He, he paid me to run his, his ads. And I think while I was with him, we, took the Facebook page from like, it was around 10 to 15 K when I came in. And then when I left, it was about 200 K. Wow. So we grew the business significantly. And I remember like the, the last few launches we, we ran with ads were just like still some of the biggest numbers I've, I've worked with. Uh, it was really cool to see. So I just kind of just, he, it was like, he gave me permission to do the same thing in my own business, essentially, even though he didn't. Um, that's the way I look at that. So he was my first mentor and that's when my business, that was the first time, the first bump in my business. Second one is around the second year I was living in Malta. I, um, I saw daily undulating periodization was very hot and it was, it was, 
people were talking about it. So I was like, you know what? There's no daily undulating periodization product. So I'm going to create the DUP product. And I came out with this product called the DUP method. And I reached out to a bunch of affiliates. And one of the affiliates I reached out to was actually Vince Del Monte. I was like, will you promote it? And he was like, I have a better idea. He was like, how about I show you how to run a launch and I'll take like part of the commissions of this launch. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. So he's telling me to do all this crazy stuff, like make the top prize like $5,000. I was like, man, I'm going to have to pay these prizes out of, out of on my credit card or something. Like I had no idea how, how well it would work. So he helped me recruit all the affiliates. He helped me run this huge launch. He promoted it for like two weeks straight. He made obviously a lot of money from that, but that product in four days did $76,000. Wow. And when I saw that, I was like, holy crap. So I was able to pay off my affiliates and, and I think I, I made like a couple bucks out of that, but I pretty much, it was more or less just breaking even. So, you know, I paid $76,000 to get $76,000 back, which is fine. But then I had all these customers and then all of a sudden, like I was promoting products and making like $600 by sending one email. And I had all these people like wanting to sign up for my coaching program. And that's when I, when I realized the importance of acquiring customers. So that was the second mentor I had. And then I guess along those lines, I was, I was always studying from Craig Ballantyne. Um, so I learned a lot of marketing from him. Also learned some marketing from, from Dan Kennedy, uh, just like reading his stuff too. Um, then I hired Vince and that's when my business really started blowing up. And that, that led me to my next few coaches. Um, so like Craig Ballantyne and, and a guy named Taki Moore. And so now it's just like these coaches led me to these other coaches. Oh, and another guy, Xander Fryer. He's great too. Um, led me to all these coaches. And now it's, it's like, I'm like, man, I wish I had a coach back in 2012 or 2011 when I started because I would be like making eight figures a year by now if, if, I, if I only knew, if I wasn't right. such a cheap, small town boy afraid to invest in a coach. <laughs> is that like, if you could go back and change one thing, would that be it or is there something else that you would, you would do differently over the last few years or 10 years? So, uh, if I could go back, like I, I'm really fortunate where I'm at right now and I do truly love my life. But if I had to change one thing in business, I would go back to 2011 and I would, I remember I got a phone call from a sales guy working for, for Craig Ballantyne back in like 2011 and he was trying to sell me into the mastermind. And I think at the time it was like thousand dollars a month or something. I was like, mm. yo, I don't even have like. $30 a month. So I was mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. But if I could go back in time, I would have told myself, do whatever you can to, to join that mastermind. And, uh, and that's what I would have done because I, I guarantee if I joined that mastermind in 2011, like I would be at eight figures a year by now. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Hindsight's 2020 or whatever, even better than that sometimes, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so the only thing we can really do is like, pass this knowledge forward to people and be like, yo, if you don't have a coach eight years from now, when you're looking back in time, you're going to be like, damn, I wish I, I wish I worked with that coach. Cause I would be right. so far off. Right. Like I wish I didn't waste my time. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. 
Um, I know, we, Jason, we don't have a, a ton more time. I want to get a couple more nuggets out of you. And one of the things you've talked about a lot is uh, getting more customers. And I know you're doing that through Instagram. So, and you're killing it on Instagram. And, and that was part of that talk that I, I mentioned. We started off, it was like, you were just you're like, go to Instagram and you've got my thing. So tell me like, what is it that, what are the one or two things that, uh, that you're doing that, that people need to be doing to build Instagram and use it? And then like, what's the big mistake people are making when they're trying to leverage Instagram and social media for, you know, acquiring new customers and business? Sure. So the, the way that I built my Instagram, um, let me just tell you like how quickly it grew. So I started my, my Instagram in like 2014, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like around the time that Instagram came out. Cause I was like, I, I need to be on Instagram. Then I was like, how do I build my Instagram? And people are like, well, you just follow other people and then they follow you back. So I hired an assistant to like post stuff on Instagram every day and then like a bunch of people and then unlike them if they don't follow me back. And over the course, it was like two to three years over the course of two to three years, I got like 800 followers. Mm -hmm. It's like not too bad, but my Facebook page was already at like 50K by that time. And on my Facebook page, I was just doing what I did when I was working with John Goodman to blow up the personal trainer development center, which was posting content, great content three times a day. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was talking to Jordan Syatt in August, 2017, when I had 800 followers, because I noticed that he blew up to like 250K, like quarter of a million followers. Yeah. That's a lot of people. So I said, Jordan, like, what did you do? And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I was like, well, Jordan Syatt trains Gary Vaynerchuk, who has like over a million followers. So Gary's probably just giving Jordan shout outs all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked Jordan, Jordan's like, no, easy. Gary just told me to post three times a day. So I started posting three times a day. And then in eight months, I had like 250,000 followers or something like that. I was like, really that easy, eh? He's like, yep. So I was like, you know what? This is what exactly what I did to blow up my Facebook page. It's exactly what I did to blow up John Goodman's Facebook page. So let's try it. And literally within the first 24 hours, I went from 800 followers to 1,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So that was August 17th, 2017. I hit, I hit 1,000 followers. So I was like, wow, this is great. I just got 200 followers and I've been stuck for the past you know, six months at 800 followers. This is crazy. So then I told Vince, my, my mentor, my coach, I was like, hey, man, my goal is to hit 20,000 Instagram followers by the end of the year, by uh, December 31st. He's like, okay. And I could tell when I told him, because he didn't even have 20,000 followers, and I could tell when I told him that he, he didn't truly believe I was going to do it. And in the back of my mind, I didn't believe I was truly going to do it. So then I remember New Year's Eve, no, it wasn't even New Year's Eve. It was like January 31st at 10.34 a.m. EST. I opened up my phone and I hit 100,000 followers. Wow. So I literally crushed that goal of 20K by the end of the year and I got to 100,000 followers. So the first thing I did was, so there's three things you want to focus on, content, presence, and networking. Mm-hmm. Content is just posting really good content that people can really understand and vibe with right away. So for me, I played around with my content and I found out that the content that worked best was infographics. So I was like, I'm going to go all in on infographics. 
So that was the content. Second thing I did was um, presence. So with presence, I was posting three to four times per day. I was posting on stories every single day. You know, just being present on the platform, being mm-hmm. everywhere, replying to all the comments on the posts, replying to all the DMs, going live at least once a week. And there wasn't IGTV then. But yeah. now that there is IGTV, you'd be posting on IGTV. Because Instagram wants you to use the platform to its fullest. Right. And it rewards you for, for it. So if you're present, like you're always there, it's working. And this is exactly what I did to build my Facebook page. It's exactly mm. what I did to build, help build John Goodman's Facebook page. And this is exactly what John Goodman taught me to do. Like what? Like eight years ago or whatever. So... It was, I was so fortunate to be working with him because the exact things that built Facebook back, you know, four or five, six years ago are, is what's working in Instagram now, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Yeah. It's like yeah. history is repeating itself. I know. So That's- that was the second thing. And the third thing was networking. Mm-hmm. So I would like repost these other big pages and they, I would start getting on their radar, like tagging them in my stories. And then we would start having conversations um, in the DM. And then next thing you know, they, they repost some of your stuff. So I remember the first time a really big page reposted my stuff. I just broken up with my girlfriend that I dated for eight years. Uh, there was a full month where I just couldn't sleep. Like I was an absolute wreck. I remember I was like staring at, at the ceiling. It was like two in the morning, just like staring at the ceiling, three in the morning, four in the morning. I'm like, screw it. I, I guess I'm not sleeping tonight. So I opened up my phone, went on Instagram, and I noticed I got 6,000 new followers. And I remember, I remember looking at this. I was like, this can't be right. And I, I checked my stats, and sure enough, I had 6,000 new followers over the course of 24 hours. So I was like, what the heck happened? I thought I was hallucinating because I wasn't sleeping. Right. So then I see that there was this big page of this guy. He had like 400,000 followers. He reposted one of my posts. And from that one repost, I got 6,000 new followers. Wow. So that's the third part of it, the, the networking. And when you focus on these three things and you layer that with consistency, being very consistent, you're going to grow your Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And it's going to bring you, you, grow your Instagram, and you're not just growing Instagram, you're generating new customers and leads from it. Well, if you, if you know how to do that, yeah. So, so I, I would just, I look at my Instagram stories, just like I was looking at my email list, and I just mm-hmm. treat it like that. So like whatever the content is of my emails that day, that's the content of my stories. So I'm selling on my Instagram stories as well. So essentially it doubled my business because it was like I just got a brand new email list. It was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, you've got a book, an online fitness profits book, which probably has a lot of good nuggets for anyone who's even not just a fitness professional, but like a healthcare professional who wants to work online. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what you share in there and how to get it? Mm-hmm. So that book is essentially the story of how I built up um, my fitness business to the first six figures. And that was through like publishing ebooks, getting affiliates and going that route. Um, so if they want to get a free copy, of, like if you're listening to this and you want a free copy of that book, I highly suggest you go grab your free copy because you know, it, the book is free at freeprofitsbook.com. That's the story how I made my first six figures. Mm-hmm. And it, it just tells everything that I did, like, you know, writing the sales copy, what to do for the upsells, how to price the upsells, how to, 
how to do like continuity on the back end, getting coaching clients, things like that. Um, now in 2019, it's a lot harder to build a business that way, but it's still 100% possible. Um, but now you can also build a business, I would say much quicker. Like if I was to start a business now, I would start off getting you know, a couple online coaching clients. So I, so I get to my first, like maybe like $5,000 a month from online coaching. Yeah. And I would do that. You can do that with your own network and, and with Instagram right away. I would do that first. And then when you really want to accelerate things, I would come out with a, with an ebook and go to affiliates. And then you have all these customers coming right. in that way. Um, and then you actually have capital to work with. Right. So that's the, that's the changes I would do in 2019. Um, but like if you, if you're looking to to release an ebook, fitness prof free profits book.com online fitness profits that book is uh is stellar for that. I also have another gift for your audience though, because um, okay. I was saying like if you're just starting out and you're just looking to get clients first, which is what I recommend in 2019. Well, um, I have the seven deadly sins of an online fitness professional. Um, but if you're not in fitness, if you're in physiotherapy, these seven deadly sins still apply to you. Right. So if you want to get those seven deadly sins, it's uh, I shot seven videos where I talk about these. Just go to JMax Fitness on Instagram, send me a DM and say, hey, can you send me the seven deadly sins? And I'll send you the seven deadly sins. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. That's, that's really great. And I'll make sure I put the links and everything in our show notes as well. If you're listening or you're driving right now and you can't like go to Instagram right now, it'll be on the show notes. But um, Jason, is that the best way to uh, find you? Um, JMax Fitness on Instagram or do you have a website that we should also share? Just just find me on Instagram now. It's the easiest thing. Like my website's JMax Fitness, but you know, Instagram is, is where I'm at right now. Um, I think I have like 295,000 followers right now, something like that. So yeah. So, so that, that's where, where I'm, I'm showing a lot of, a lot of my good stuff. If you're looking to build your business, I do have a private Facebook group called online fitness profits Mm -hmm. and that Facebook group is free as well. And that, that's where I give away a lot of my, my marketing tips for for building your business to your first six figures online. Awesome. That's very valuable. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here today and and sharing your knowledge. I know there's um, a ton more questions that I want to ask and that we could dig really deep into some of these things. And I know like for a lot of people, it's like, this is great. And you know, there's so much more in there. So um, thanks for providing some of those resources for everyone. And thank you for spending your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. And I look forward to seeing you in person again soon and um, you know, catching up. So uh, for the cash PD lunch hour, this is Aaron LeBauer and, and Jason Maxwell. Thank you guys very much. Hey, what's up, this is Aaron. Real quick, if you're just getting started with a cash practice, then be sure to check out my step-by-step checklist, which will walk you through the whole process. Go to cashptchecklist.com to get your free cash PT checklist, where you'll learn all the essential steps you need to take to get started. It's absolutely free and always will be. Over 5,000 people have already downloaded it, so make sure you don't miss out. And if you're already a business owner, but not generating the revenue you think you deserve or have the time, the freedom that you want, and you would like to grow and scale your business in the shortest amount of time possible, then you may be a great fit for my Cash PT Platinum Mastermind Group. Just head over to cashptmastermind.com where you can get all the details and apply for a free strategy call where you'll get clarity on your vision and a path to getting there.